0: Hey guys, on today's edition of Your Faves Faves, I'm literally sitting down with your fave, Kristen Bell. You guys, I know, I know she's done so many faves, but freaking Anna, you guys, I cannot handle it. I tell guests that they can talk about anything they are passionate about and KB came in strong. She brought us the five movies from her childhood that she believes still hold up today and the conversation was number one hilarious because I only knew like two of them which made me really sad because I don't know how I'm supposed to be best friends with her if I don't know everything that she knows and two I also was super fascinated about the way that she uses old movies to teach her kids about art and what it means to shoot a film, and how you create emotion inside of everything from a camera angle to the lighting. It was a really rad chat, and I know you're going to dig it as much as I do. So if you like this episode, please take a screenshot and tag me and Kristen on social media. Let us know what you thought, and tell your friends this podcast is joyful and hilarious and happy And that's what we need in the world right now. Here is my conversation with my new best friend, even though she doesn't know it, nor did she ask me for my phone number at the end, but whatever, Kristen Bell. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is your Faves Faves. you doing? I'm pretty good. It's Friday. Do you get to rest tomorrow? It's Friday. You get tomorrow off.
1: Best day of the week. I have tomorrow yep. I'm off. Yes, I'm in prep for a movie. So this week has been crazy, mainly be, not because the prep has been crazy, but because I'm like, oh, that's what going back to work feels like. That's right. not, those days start crazy. Yes. And there's also a ton of new protocols because of COVID that are all great. Yeah. But it requires a lot more time and patience and focus. And so remembering you have to wake up at five in the morning is like, what? I thought we saw right. that as
0: humans. I thought that was right. the, the thing that came right. out of twenty. Yeah, you gave up your bra and any kind of tight pants and waking up at a certain time. And then that the rest
1: of the dead. year was garbage, but those three things are worth noting.
0: Right. We get to keep those things. And I feel like going back into production, like you said, yeah. navigating around all of those things and the stressors of thank God we're able to do it, right? But also, have you had to get a test yet? Like up the nose, scrape your brain?
1: I have to get tested twice a week. And I've had to get tested twice a week for the last six weeks because the insurance companies will only insure you if they know you have a pattern of non-exposure.
0: Right. And thank God, thank God for testing. But it also, the last time I had it done, I literally cried for 45 minutes afterwards. You know
1: what I found the trick is? You want someone, you want a nurse or a doctor who starts at the bottom and rolls it so you can feel oh. sense your your sort of touch sensory. And so then they go all the way up and then they pull down. But you, if they don't start by touching just the outside of your nostril, yeah. say, hold on.
0: Slow, we now have new procedures that we're learning, which feels very 2020. Um, so I am I'm super excited to have you on the show. So grateful that you're here. Uh, the idea for this... The show came from, life feels very hard for everybody all around the world, and I just wanted conversations we could have that were joyful and fun and anything that lights your heart up, so we do a top five list, you get to choose the category, do you have a category today?
1: I have a category that has been topical in my household because we've been at home for nine months. And my category is favorite nostalgic movies from when I was a kid.
0: Awesome. Because we have
1: been showing my children, you know, there's really a lot of times there's nothing else to do, but the default movie night. And you, you know, I... I, there's a part of me that wants to see a movie before my kids do, unless it's something that comes from a company that I know and trust, um, just to make sure it's not going to be too scary or you know this and that. But um, I know I've seen all these movies, and I, I also have a nostalgia of, if we have a little time on our hands, I'd love to rewatch some of my favorites that I watched growing up. But I will have to say, and this is very important, I preface this list with, I have seen all these movies recently. Okay. Uh, We've also learned a lot from a storytelling perspective and a diversity perspective and a women's rights perspective. And that the movies that were made in the eighties and nineties can't really be looked through the same lens as what we know now. So I still love these movies, but there are going to be the faults you could find with them. That is, if we'd only known that then, meaning Oh, the wife character. She's not dimensional at all. She's just the wife. She's kind of pointless. It's not a great role for her. She could have done more. And now we round people out. And, you know, I just want to provide the caveat in the fear of 2020. Right. I don't want to endorse any of these situations that someone may see and put through a different lens, but these still hold a special place in my heart. I show them to my kids. And sometimes they also involve a teachable moment for your kids. Like, huh, I don't weird are, are, yeah he was white or you know yes. anything. Yes. is that what yes. your school looks like no right yes. and you know any of them can be teachable moments I don't think we need to throw them in the trash that's my point yes
0: well let me ask this have you experienced this as a parent because I've definitely done this on accident where in my mind a movie from my childhood is pure and wonderful and should be seen and then I show it to my children and realize this is terrifying or um oh that's actually in a I don't even remember that ET had a cuss word or whatever the case may be. And then you're like, Well, oh, I'm the worst parent of all time.
1: Yeah, I don't I'm not gonna take that label of worst parent of all time because I know some <laughs> other bad parents, but um but yeah, mine has more been like um the made majorly the, cause my we do curse around the house and my kids okay. hear
0: and what's so they've funny- heard it
1: before. Yeah, they've heard it before, but what's funny is my husband always says to them, when they first said it, my husband goes, look, stop, 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 stop. There are certain things you can't do before you're older, okay? You can't drive my car, you can't vote, you can't drink alcohol, can't cuss. It's just the way life is. And they were like, okay, I get it, I get it. So somehow he broke through with his like ability to have candid conversations, which has worked. But some of the other stuff, like the diversity stuff, or you have a character who's- you know, not Indian, but doing an Indian accent and wearing a lot of bronze. Yes. I'm
0: like, yeah, oh, right. So, should... your what is what is number five on the list? In are are these in like order from least favorite to most favorite, or this is just a grab bag?
1: No, it's a grab bag because I. I can't, I don't know that there's so many that have a, uh, they're either, I've seen it a hundred times and there's familiarity that holds my heart or there's nostalgia. Cause I saw it the first time I saw my crush or, you know, so they're there. It's just a grab bag, but I'm going to hit you with some ones that we have watched recently. that still will okay. hold up. That's what this list basically is like.
0: Okay. Still holds things, up.
1: Yeah. Cause like, to be honest, we watched uncle Buck recently.
0: Right. Doesn't home. hold up.
1: I was so bummed because I was like how do you take John Candy and Macaulay Culkin and it doesn't there were moments but overall my kids were bored and I was like dang it doesn't hold up but these ones hold up okay okay number one in the list of grab bag Harry and the Hendersons
0: okay this is wild um I have an irrational phobia of Bigfoot (laughs) irrational and that is the most terrifying movie <laughs> the fact that that is your number one I get it John Lithgow like the end he has to punch him in the face to get him to go back to the woods but that movie scared the bejesus out of me when I was a little girl but that's hilarious
1: I'd, it's so funny because like what it made me look at was something different doesn't have to be something scary and that you're right just, your first conclusion about something be based on your, you have to recognize if it's coming out of fear. And yes, he looks big and scary, but look how gentle he is. Look when he hands the teenager flowers over and over again. And like, he just, everybody, no matter how big and scary they are, no matter if they're a, a bald guy with like tons of steroids, tons of tattoos, everyone just wants to be loved. Right. Everybody just wants to be loved. Right. So I
0: love that personally that makes my heart so happy that that's your first choice um
1: okay but i didn't mean it's not a horror movie list so i did not mean to scare you okay number two although sheesh now i'm looking at these and a couple of them kind of feel like movies in the 80s and 90s were scarier
0: you're right you're absolutely right and a rated r meant something very different in the 80s and 90s than it does today yes very different okay another one dark crystal i don't know if i've seen that movie
1: Jim Henson, Frank Oz, they create this world where it's called, uh, it's uh, it's this world where it follows a, a gelfling, which is like a little elf named Jen. Okay. And he is caught between these two worlds. Uh, they're these, the two sort of pillars of the world are the mis- mystics and the skexies. And they used to be one nation, but they split. Now they look totally different. And the mystics are like these sort of like hippo looking puppets. And the skexies are like these, crow looking puppets and the skexies are evil and the mystics are basically buddha and jen has to find has to put this piece of the dark crystal back in in order to get them to fuse and make the world whole again and if they go on all these adventures and there's like these there's this crazy character named olga who like pops her eye out and looks around like this it's just the puppetry is divine okay it's trying to like pretend I was a gelfling when I was little it's just a visually beautiful movie and again it really has that prescription for the us and them of like you don't have to split you have good yeah. and bad. everyone has pros and cons we're all if we all try to be vulnerable it's better and Jen has to like unite the sort of split culture that is the world of the dark crystal
0: all right. Okay, I'm adding it to the list. I okay. feel I feel left behind. I gotta I gotta catch up.
1: And they just remade it. I think Netflix just remade it, The Dark Crystal. Um, Have you
0: rewatched, or or would you rewatch?
1: I would. I'm a little okay. hesitant because I will say, if I had to name a number one on this list, it would be The Dark Crystal.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: so I'm a little, you know, when something it'd be like if they remade Goonies, you'd be like, should we?
0: Yeah. No, but, just leave that. Let that lie.
1: But I heard good things about it. Um, okay. okay. Number three on my, what I'm noticing is my list of horror movies, witches.
0: Why don't I know these movies? Oh,
1: okay. Uh, witches two nights ago, again. Okay. Angelica Houston, role okay. of her life, and I know that sounds crazy because she's had a lot of roles. Wow. She is a queen. She's a dynamo. Okay. Witches is about the world but there are real witches here. They think children stink, so they hold their nose when they, when they walk by children and they wanna basically kill all the children. And they don't have, they have claws instead of fingers, so they always wear gloves. And they have, uh, they basically wear wigs and fake faces. So they go to this witches' convention where this little boy and his grandmother are sort of staying in the area, and they have this convention. And the little boy gets caught up into it, and the witches are uh, attempting to turn every every child in the world into a mouse, so that then the humans will exterminate the children. But they Wait, have, is
0: this a new movie? Is there a it, new movie made of this? They just remade it. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, so what is the storyline? I oh, got it. Okay. And
1: we watched it last night, and it's awesome. It is different. Okay. And I still favor the first one because it also like cinematically, the first one did things in like, in the witches, major witches convention, like when they're taking off their masks and they're taking off their hair, they're using a handheld camera and they're shooting from below and I'm able to explain to my children, do you see how the the frame is shaking? That's to make you feel uncomfortable. Do you see how they're shooting from low? That's to make you feel scared. Do you see how the main thing you look at is her chin? It's to make you feel scared. So they did all these really cool cinematic shots in the original witches that were, and by the way, you end up going into like, once the boy gets turned into a mouse, he goes into like the air ducks and he tries to escape and find his grandmother, etc. The mice, um, like CG in 1990 was awesome. And it's like the only movie you can look back on and go, how'd they get that CG that good?
0: Okay. I also would love that the direction that you're taking it to, which I would never think to talk about is like, how did they shoot this? What does this look like? How was it lit? What was the story they were trying to tell? Which feels like something that you get to bring given The work that you do for a living, because I would never even notice that.
1: Oh, yeah, I love that stuff. I love trying to figure out what they're attempting to make me feel. And actually, it's how I get my kids to see more dynamic films that I think they're ready for, obviously, but they could be like, that's scary. And I'm like, but remember, does the hero ever die? I mean, only on Game of Thrones, but does the hero (laughs) ever die? And they go, no. And I go, right, because we're, tr- the writer is tracking that person's story. That's who you're rooting for. But halfway through, or in uh, structural writing world, you call it the end of the second act, you'd say, uh, you know, halfway through, you're supposed to think all is lost. Right. The hero will never get out of this. It, right. Everything's over. And then what do they do? And we also, uh, you know, my husband is, is, is such a writer and I'm you know, attempting to seed my girls with the possibility of that they could write stories if they wanted to. So when even when we watch cartoons, if one of the characters goes, huh, I'll never be able to climb that mountain. I pause it and I go, the heck do you think is gonna happen in this fucking?" house? What do you think this one's
0: about? She's right. gonna
1: climb the mountain. That's her main right. obstacle. So um, yeah, I love talking about structure and obstacles with my kids through the lens of all of these things that we watch. So rad. Okay, you might be on this.
0: I, I want I want to have this one as something I've seen. I'm excited. My fingers are crossed.
1: This is one of the ones that holds up more than any other movie could possibly hold up. Tommy Boy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely always funny, will always be funny.
1: He, I mean, what Chris Farley did in that movie he was inventing things, inventing jokes, and their dynamic was so perfect. And the absurdity of it was so perfect. And just like, how many times I've been sitting at the dinner table where I've said to my husband, Richard, is there something on my face? Not so much (laughs) here, but like right along here. It's just got the most wonderful quotable lines.
0: Right. And the isn't I, I don't think I'm misremembering this isn't the son who also ends up being the the husband isn't that Roblo? oh yeah right just the whole cast all the way around is so freaking good. oh
1: Derek Roblo. when Roblo says his shoes are worth more than your life he's just like <laughs> such a typical but and that's it that, you know nowadays writers are trying to write like dimensional well-rounded people but like Rob Lowe's character was kind of just the bad guy, but like, I still, yeah. it. like it's a trope. I funny. It's so, so funny. And then how he's just like actually sleeping with his mom. Like it's <laughs> very funny.
0: Solid, solid choice. And also I'm just happy that I've seen one that you've seen. I do. How, how old are you? 40. I thought we were, okay. I'm 37, but we're, we're we're close enough that I feel like I should know more of these movies, but I was going, I thought you were coming at me with like, Um, The Mighty Ducks or Ladybugs or Heavyweights or I I clearly was like leaning in a different direction than you were growing up.
1: Well, I think that look, that's probably my fault for the confusion of like, I get highlights and wear mascara and talk in a bubbly voice. So you'd think that I'd like those movies, but my mom was kind of, my mom has a really morbid sense of humor. So like the dark crystal where like half the people look like mangled vulture birds was like up her alley. Like she, she was a cardiologist nurse and she, um, I mean, she used to bring home heart surgery videos and we'd like watch them over a spaghetti dinner. She'd be learning how to install a pacemaker or she once bribed the mortician to bring in three human hearts to my ninth grade science class. Oh, awesome.
0: That feels informative. Were you like labyrinth or never ending story? Sort of those fantasy realms? Okay. Big time. In
1: fact, never ending story is my fifth one. It's not that I didn't like Labyrinth, I did a ton. The music, the puppetry, but Neverending Story has one of the most, at least what I took from it, I could be totally wrong, but the most beautiful metaphors of any movie of all time. And I recently showed it to my kids and I was so charmed. uh, And I was also, did not remember what it meant. So. I don't know if you remember this, but never ending story, right? Like the little boy goes into the bookstore and the, um, the bookshop owner says, you can pick any book, but don't read this one. Uh Oh, I have to take a phone call. And then he goes, takes a phone call. And the little boy, because he's a little boy and he wants to be mischievous, he takes the book mm-hmm. and then he goes up into the attic of his school and he starts to read it. And he reads a story about all these characters in this fantasy world that are experiencing what's called the nothing. And the nothing is coming for them and their lands are being destroyed by the nothing. And the nothing in the movie looks like a windstorm that wipes them out. And the metaphor there is that no one's reading anymore. Mm. Their books are being erased because kids aren't sitting down and reading. Like, you know, this was before the days of Harry Potter when like our ages were like, you weren't really sitting down and reading. Cause like TV had been invented and right. evil was invented. And, um, so the kids weren't reading. And so the, the movie to me seems like a metaphor for the nothing is killing the stories. And then in the, you know, the goal of it, he's got to find this, he finds out his mission is to find this princess because he, he's inserted into the story mm-hmm. and the princess doesn't have a name and he has to name her in order to save us from the nothing. And I see that as you have to write. You can't just read, you have to write, you have to put in the time, like nobody's reading or writing anymore. And it, I just was watching it like, this is the most subtle way to show kids how stories are so important. And as a storyteller who believes that like, true growth and social change and happiness come out of storytelling, I was just taken yet again last month when we watched it.
0: I, um... I truly, have never looked at it that way, which is so beautiful. Um, I just always remember feeling like um, I, I don't. I definitely didn't think this as a little girl, but watching it again as an adult, thinking like that, they trusted children to hold those emotions, right? So the scene where the horse—spoiler—the horse dies. Um, if you've never <laughs> seen it, and it's so—I mean, even now, it's so upsetting. And what that means, and he's so sad that he can't sort of move forward and all of these things that it was – I do love movies that trust that even though they're children, even though we were children, we could handle what those narratives were. Um, But now I want to rewatch it with your perspective because that's so rad.
1: I could not agree more. I think that's one thing I focus on when I'm raising my girls is that they can handle way more than we think they can handle. And even – to the extent of they actually are desperate to try on emotions that don't yet fit. Like Mm. clothing, like they are trying on anger and frustration and and yelling during temper tantrums. They're like puppies. When you see a a basket of puppies and they're going at each other like crazy, the puppies are trying on the emotion of cortisol and predator prey. And they, they need to feel those out before they can learn how to use them as an adult. So I actually think it's with at least with my girls it's like better to sort of expose them to it and that you know that was amblin's uh whole steven spielberg's company's whole thought process when they were making like et and goonies and all and all these things their main goal the the strategic mind behind the company was like kids in real danger Mm. put the kids in real danger So, you know, E.T. was real danger. Goonies was real danger. All those Amblin movies were real danger. And it, it set those movies apart from a lot of other softer films that were made at the time.
0: I love that. You're a wealth of film history. I did not know this. Is this a passion project for you? Like, is this something that you studied for a long time or you feel like you've absorbed it via osmosis from the work that you do?
1: I think just via osmosis. I mean, yeah. I went to theater school, but like, I I strive to tell good stories when I can, and I, I, I constantly am like looking for what will engage people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I just sort of talk from instinct. But then I learn something like the Amblin fact, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so cool.
0: that's interesting. Yeah.
1: That that could be your, you know, cause you hear people say like, I had one mantra for my business or mission statement. And I'm like, how do you even do that? Like what? But then I'm like, oh yeah, I can look at every single movie that they made and they put the kids in real danger, real, real danger.
0: I heard this, uh, this line years ago that said every author, and I wonder if this would be true for artists and creators of all time, but that every author was essentially writing the same book. They they had the same theme. They had the same thesis, no matter how many times and I've now looked at, use that as a lens for authors that I've read multiple things. And I think it's so rad when you can kind of disseminate it down, right? And sort of distill it to this thing. What do you think yours is?
1: Oh, wow.
0: Um, that's, a, that's a heavy question after a day of press. So if that's too much, then no like, worries.
1: No, my storytelling distillation would be.
0: right. Or if you get to call, you get to call your shot and you do right now in your life, as you move forward into 2021 and the work that you're doing, is there something right now that you're like, I, it may iterate over time, but I want it to be this thing.
1: I mean, it's sort of, this is simplifying it too much because it's, it's a, it's a complex emotion, even though it sounds simple, but it is, it's probably happiness. Yeah. It's happiness because you can watch something. I gravitate towards comedy because- I uh, usually, hopefully, if you're doing it right, the viewer will be laughing, which means there'll be a smile on their face, which has proven to help with mental health, physical health, you know, just enlightenment. It just laughing is better. There's no one in the world that's like, I hate laughing, right? right? It's like the one inarguable, unmovable thing. Um, but also you can, but happiness also involves being like grateful. I think that's like an aspect of it. So sometimes if you see a harder story, you can... Uh, have a cathartic experience where you feel grateful that you're not in that position. And that makes you happier. Um, Or also like, I'm, you know, I'm doing this. I'm about to start this movie right now called queen pins. That is a true story about these suburban housewives who started a, a counterfeit coupon organization and they laundered $40 million before they were caught by the FBI. Whoa. And I like that aspect of representation of women going against the grain. Yes, really that's like rad. Yeah. That's and I feel like rad. it'll make some women happy. So it's always, to me, it always has to do like, who can I acknowledge and make happy within this? And it changes all the time. Like when I, write, when I had kids, I did bad moms. Cause I was like in that zone. It also has to right. be something that feels very honest to me.
0: I think that's a beautiful aim, especially in the environment that we're living in because life is hard. Life is beautiful and a gift and all those things, and it's also hard. And as much as there are going to be people out there in the world making Game of Thrones or making things that are grittier, there also needs to be people who are adding levity. So I freaking love that happiness is your goal because i that's what I need when I'm <laughs> at the end of a day. Or um, the end of 2020, the garbage right, year 2020. Right, right. We're all just waiting for New Year's Eve. Um So you, there is some happiness that you're working on right now. You're putting some happiness out in the world. Is that right? You have a new book coming out? I am. Well, yes, it came out this year. I wrote a children's book called The World Needs More Purple People. And
1: this came out of an idea of, yeah, sort of about happiness. Also, to be honest, my, one of my best friends, Ben and I were sitting around the dinner table. Our kids were running around and we were realizing we were discussing politics and it occurred to us do you think all our kids are getting these subliminal messages of an us and them? Even when we're trying mm, to actively, right. tell them there is no us in them. There's right. st- even when they can't speak, they see two kinds of people. They see red, they see blue. Now mm-hmm. I am one of those kinds of people. You may be the same or you may be different, but that has no bearing on me treating you with respect. Right. And so we thought, what if there was a third option? What if we could create an all inclusive label because blue and red make purple.
0: Oh, that's to the first a- time that that has occurred to me. Yep. You're I got it now.
1: An, an emotional roadmap to a little bit of security that you you have to be a critical thinker. And you, And by the way, if anything, it would be like uplifting individual rights and the ability to think for yourself and not having to fall in as a lemming. So we created five pillars of like purple people laugh a lot. They work hard. They speak up for others. And they are uniquely themselves. And we like to say in the back of the book, you got to be you because you're the only you we've got.
0: Yeah, uh, you know it's it's so interesting. Have you seen the social dilemma on Netflix? Of course, and I'm terrified. Okay, right. I I am. I have my oldest is thirteen. He'll be fourteen in January, and it is petrifying for me. But also for me as a human being. But I do think that it speaks so much to the world in the last year, especially of. I grew up, right, like, I'm super liberal, but I grew up in a very Republican, conservative world. But even my hillbilly conservative family, you still would be in relationship. you go to church on Sunday with people who didn't vote, believe, love like you did, and you had respect for others, and you could sit down at the dinner table, and that had that that piece feels like it's missing, and then you watch that documentary, and you're like, oh, because it... It is on purpose. I keep bringing it up in podcast episodes because I really want everybody to go see it, even if for no other reason than it makes you look at what you're talking about as, do you really feel this way about people? Are you really this angry? Do you, Did that person re-? or are you sort of pre um, prepared in advance to, to react to people like this? Because. The way forward, no matter what happens in November, the way forward is like, my God, we have got to find a way to do life with people who are not like us.
1: We've got, by the way, and and polite reminder, America, that's what the damn nation was founded on. Right, like, right. I'm a constitutionalist now. That's what the right. damn nation was founded on. Right, right different creeds different co- like everybody and yes we didn't do it right when we first when we first got here we didn't do it right we didn't do it right we're not even doing it right now but yes. we're getting there and we yes. all have to be linked arm in arm continuing to get there to make this nation what it deserves to be have you listened to rabbit hole the podcast rabbit hole
0: no okay
1: if you thought social okay. dilemma was bad
0: okay okay
1: I, my husband, we, I did the first two episodes with him and then he finished the rest of them. And um, he came home and he's like, well, kids are never watching YouTube, never. never. <laughs> Get <off> your phone, <laughs> they're never watching YouTube. Because it's the same thing Whereas social dilemma talks about your, your searches in your search mm-hmm. engine, speaking to your silo, speaking to your echo chamber, how they track someone who was basically indoctrinated to be a white supremacist based on the videos he watched and the suggestions. And that he- Wasn't
0: this, was is he the one who was like a skateboarder? Or he was watching skateboarding videos? No. Okay, different I, thing.
1: Maybe. You know, I, I only listened to the first two. I didn't, I don't, and I, this was like a month ago. My husband finished it and he was like, you got to finish it. Uh, it's incredible. A rabbit so hole. If, okay. Yeah. If someone has already taken your advice to watch Social Dilemma, the right. next thing I would probably be rabbit hole. That's what I'm about to do is finish it. Oh
0: my gosh. Do but- you... Knowing the been?
1: problem, it really is half the battle. Like acknowledging yeah. and knowing the problem, it's it's the start of healing and. A
0: hundred percent. Well, and I feel like um, the idea of starting that conversation with your kids when they're little, mm-hmm. you know, all of the hatred is not. We're not born hating people. We're not born judging. That's something that's taught to us. And I think that this is. It's a conversation that you have to be very intentional about having. What age is the book for? So for listeners who are who want to check it out, what what's the appropriate age?
1: Well, it is really. It can be as young as you want if they'll look at a picture book. If they're two years old and look at a picture book, the themes are still there. Um, You know, Ben's oldest daughter is 12 and she reads it, so I'd say (laughs) zero to 12. And also, I plan on delivering one to every single member of Congress because it is (laughs) about listening to other people. Like, it's not. There's no, um, it's not a uh, a coincidence that we wrote a children's book, because if we wrote a chapter book, like a a, a nonfiction book about this concept, right, of being a purple person um, and and putting your hand across the aisle, only adults would read it. But if we read a children's book, the kids are going to read it. We're going to expose them to ideas that they may not have seen before. Like, oh, I can choose something different than this. And also the parents are going to read it to the kids. So we get both demographics. So the age is zero to 100.
0: Great. Perfect. And now, now we know, and it's available wherever you can get a children's book. A children's book. Yes. And it's awesome. my, my proudest things. That's so rad. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. Thank you for having me. Of course. And you know, your intention is, is happiness and to put that out in the world. This made me very happy. And I know that the people who are listening are just tickled pink to hear you talk about old movies. Cause honestly, that's the only kind of information and media I want to be consuming right now is just a little bit of silliness
1: silliness and you know what we're all bunkered up we can't go anywhere anyway right back into that nostalgia it has been really fun for us over the past couple months awesome
0: well good luck on the tour and getting back into production I super appreciate your time thank you you're welcome Bye. bye your faves faves is hosted by me Rachel Hollis the show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support from Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Your Faves Faves is a 3% chance production.